Hello, welcome to episode number 232 of the Apologue Podcast, and I'm your host, Simon Head. Today, no sponsors today. Today, what I'd like to do is thank everybody for shopping on Amazon and supporting the show. You too can support the show by going to apologue.ca slash Amazon or apologue.ca slash USAmazon. Every time you shop on Amazon, use those links. It will support the show by just buying stuff. It costs you no extra money. Thanks to the people who support me on Patreon. You too can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis, and this will help with my hosting and gas fees. You want to buy a t-shirt, go to applelock.ca slash shop. Buy some music there too. iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars, please. And like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash applelockpod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have uh, Mr. Andre Alves, Alves from uh, the band Statues on Fire. They have a new record called Living in Darkness. It, they're, from, uh, they're based in Brazil. They're an awesome band. It's... Um, you know, bands that, that go on tour, uh, I have to respect, and they actually are on tour. They're in Europe right now. I'm looking at a picture of them, and it's the famous picture that people take when they're in Cologne, where you take it in front of the Cologne Dome, and I see it, and I'm going to send him my picture, because I almost they have the exact same picture when I went to Cologne about 15 years ago. It looks like they're still working on it. So anyways, Andre... And I had a nice long conversation before we went on tour, and they're in the midst of touring right now. They're in Germany. So here he is, Mr. Andre Alves on the Apologue Podcast. I have two rooms with a lot of backline, so people rent but per hour, and uh, and I have a pub, so at at the same building. So my business basically is live music and and sell beer. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good. Uh, you've made a good life for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it is, it, and it's very close to my to, to my my house. Mm-hmm. It's kind of forty seconds by feet. So, what really? You have my dream life. My life is I want to be able to ride a bicycle to work one day. That's one day. Yeah. Right now, I drive yeah. about thirty-five minutes to get to my work, which is close. It's closer than where I used to. I used to be over an hour of driving at my yeah. old job, um, but my new yeah. job is 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 closer by half. So, uh, uh, so yeah, yeah. I'm so, living the dream now, man. So. It's very close and the best uh, part of the town. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fantastic. So, yeah, having did you? So, do you make your own beer or do you sell for a brewery? How is you? How do you do that? Uh, I usually buy like uh, Heineken, mm-hmm. Budweiser, and and beers like this. And I have a couple of friends as their own brewery, mm-hmm. and then I sell those too, like IPA and. Ao and another wants to. Yeah, there's a guy up here. His name's Steve Boshane, who started a a, a beer a beer company called Bose Bose All Natural, and he's an old punk rocker. 
that him and his dad started a brewery and they sponsored they sponsored this podcast for about six months and it was really dangerous because it was like yeah, mountains of beer would show up and the, the truck would back into my driveway yeah. with the big Bose logo on it. And uh, awesome. I had free beer for a long time and it was, yeah, like it was getting, well, it's getting a little bit too much. Maybe I should stop the, the beer part of it, but they do all yeah. sorts of things. They sponsor, um, they sponsor punk rock events. They do a, and their, their own Oktoberfest. Uh, it's, it's about four or five hours from here, but you should, you should do like a trade where he can send some beer down to you. I'll, I'll put you guys in contact. Cause that'd be kind of fun, you know, to have awesome. Canadian very, like it's a microbrewery, but it's a, it's still a brewery. You know what I mean? It'd be kind of fun to share. Okay. They, they do have a good IPA by the way. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Statues on Fire. Um, band's been around for how long? Uh, I think six years. Yeah. Six years, yeah. Since 2013, I think. Yeah, and you've obviously you've been in bands before, you said, before we turned the mics on? Yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a band here that was pretty successful here in Brazil in the past. That's called Nitro Mines. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, it's, it's not like kind of uh, Statues on Fire. It's, Statues on Fire is more melodic. And it was quite more like hardcore. And it's California hardcore, mm-hmm. but ve- very fast. Yeah. And then uh, in 2008, I built up a band with a Sepultura singer. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, Sepultura. Yeah. Derek, yeah. yeah. It's Derek Green, the American guy. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the band was called Musica Diablo. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Sepultura had a big, big following up here in the sort of the nineties. Yeah. 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 Say. Yeah. So you've been playing music for a while, then. So, so this is like twenty years in the band, but yeah, yeah, uh, yes, I'm I'm forty six now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not much older than you, so I've been the yeah, same thing. So playing punk rock your whole life, and uh, it sounds like you're making a pretty cool life with you know in in, in your own business and things like that. It's, you sort of have to be an entrepreneur in a way to be in a band, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, being in a band is almost everything for me, you know, like I've been doing this shit like for many, many years. I think it's about 30 years or something like this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I graduated in, in, in a, in a university too, but uh, I quit. I was a psychologist. Really? Yes. You're the second psychologist punk rock guy that I've had on this show. I had another guy from Italy who was also a yeah. psychologist who had graduated and had a, had another band. I think they were called Mute um, from Italy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's psychologist too. I, I know Mute. But I know the name. I'm not watching due to music, but I, I know the name for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what what made you... Like, what makes you go... What makes one go to university from being in a punk rock bands? Like, do you want to have security? Is it something? Do you try to make your parents happy? Like, how, how do you? What makes you want to do something like that? I don't know. Back then, I was just eighteen, and uh, and it, it was uh, was punk rock doesn't pay the bills in it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and I I, I, I was like to, to study, and then then I thought like psychology was was giving me like the new. I'm gonna say perspectives of life, you know, how to see things and, and understand the human behavior. That's what I, I was into. And uh, and I, I always like to study, like, philosophy and, and history and 
you know, everything's related uh, with the human behavior. That's, that's why I went there. So it was kind of really tough five years of study, and then, uh, then I have to study for more four years. So almost 10 years studying psychology. Then I quit. Oh, my God. And for, for and, and, and you know what? So I was making money with music because uh, I always had bands when I was, when I was a kid. And uh, then you start your own label. Then you start your own distribution shit. Yeah. Then you play gigs. Then then you get get graduated in, in university. Then then you start work, and then it's kind of hard to make money with this. So I I could not afford the the rent of my office. And uh, then I got like really good invitations. So I was graduated in '96. In 2000, I had my office. Then uh, I I think I told you. So I played in Down by Law. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, with Dave Mali, I, I, you know, my my band was the support band, the Nightshines and uh, and Sam. Uh, I think lost his passport, his passport on the mail, and something like this, you know, like. And uh, to come to Brazil, so you, you must need visas, and uh, he has not no passport, no visas, any shit. So I got I got a call from from Dave, and um, he invites me to play in the band, so. I had to learn like 27 songs in two days <laughs> and all the solos and, and, and everything. But I, I was b a, a big fan, you know, like, so I knew all the melodies. Mm -hmm. It was, mm -hmm. not, was not that hard to learn the songs because I already knew the songs. And then uh, then I toured with Down Below and then uh, a, a band from Holland came to Brazil that we organized the tour. And then uh, they invite us to go to Europe. Everything is the same year, you know. Yeah. So I I, I didn't have more time to to, to go to the to the office and and treat my clients well. And then uh, and then my band at the time got got real real popular, and mm. I was on TV and I was in the newspaper and then I lost all my clients, you know. Yeah. Because they they saw me in the office with like really serious guy like talking you know about your feelings and shit they 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 could see me on TV like jumping on from the stage you know like playing mm -hmm. the guitar that was kind of anyway I I quit so I, I've been a musician since then yeah it must be tough to uh, to have because being a psychologist you kind of have to have your wits about you and then when you're on stage you kind of have to a lunatic you have to sort of lose yourself in music and there's a there's a line there i guess for professional for whatever people look at you uh what you who you are as as a person they can judge you and therefore it becomes difficult i mean that's the age law that's the age old thing like when you saw i used to walk around with like bright orange hair people look at me like what the hell is wrong with this guy you know but it was, yeah. it was me expressing myself man and then and then it turned into the music and then the lifestyle of touring and and all of us, and to me, like the closest thing I could get to being in like the real world was to work as a sound person, you know, or yeah, then I could stay close. And you, you kind of did you, you tour managed, right? Yeah, I, I was it. Mm -hmm. I did this job like for many years. And, mm -hmm. and uh, when, 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 the, when the, my band was not paying the bills, so I start to get like invitations to work with them with bands. And then um, uh, I, I used to work for two different agencies mm -hmm. here in Brazil. 
and um, one was for punk rock and hardcore shows, and the other one was extremely metal. Mm-hmm. So I was working for both. So you know, that was a good job uh, anyway, but very tough because you know, being in tour managing South America is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all. Not at all. I saw and I saw backstage passport that that no effects thing, and that looked like super frightening. You know. <laughs> To, to have to deal uh-huh. with you know uh, in Canada things aren't obviously the the uh, the life the life of a Canadian tour manager is nothing like a life of a South American or even a, an American tour manager like we have a yeah. whole different thing it's all these nice guys nice guys but to deal with shady promoters and dealing with people who want to rip you off there must have been some times where you have to Put your foot down, right? Yeah, but but the bands I used to tour here it was uh was for halls like with two thousand, three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is it's a lot of job. You know, because I used I used to take care about the whole band, you know, whole crew also. So then I have to take care about for all the te- technician parts, like which kind of PA is going to use or which kind of console we're gonna do it so i have to deal with all the venues you know and sometimes like one truck with backline is going south another truck with backline going north and then then i have like 14 american guys on my neck and <laughs> you know like and i, and I tour a lot of bands here's a bands like like i don't know if you know them it's like amberlin yeah 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 uh, yeah, that was many. It was in a metal like Morb the Angel, Obituary, and in all, all the bands end with Asian in the end, like <laughs> immolation, <laughs> you know, like immolation, incantations of suffocation or and whatever. A, and they had a logo that was hard to read. It was always sort of like like pointy at one side and pointy at the other side, like one of those bands. Yeah, there was it, and uh, and uh, really strange. Uh, uh, demands also in the dressing room, you know, like all for shows. So, <laughs> but, you know, like that, that was kind of funny, but um, you know, the, but you know, it was, was was really cool. And also, I was uh, the Girt Attack for Bad Religion also, and I, I did a lot, a lot, a lot of bands here, and I, I, I toured a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, in 2012, my my wife got pregnant, and then. Then I, I really want to open my own studio, you know, with all the money I made uh, with touring bands and also with my band. And um, I, I decided to be more at home, you know. Then then I quit I quit the agencies and then uh, I just stick with the two bands. One that was kind of hardcore, like Crush Grind. It's very popular here. It's called Hot de Porão. Mm-hmm. And a uh, Brazilian singer that I used to do like stage management, and, and that's all. And, but my studio, my studio got more and more clients, and then I have to focus more and uh, on my own business. And also, Statues of Fire was kind of you know, like, you know, my band, and uh, I was dedicating more time for those those things, like family, my studio, and and, and my own band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like kind of in a way in that order too. Like being in a band for you sounds like it's more for 
enjoyment or for your own therapy rather than being super huge successful. I mean, we all think of hopefully one day to become super huge and successful. But to me, what I gather is that your band is, is the part of you that you need to sort of, uh, you keep, keep living because that's part of you. Yeah. I try to quit the music like many times, you know, <laughs> but, but, but this part of you, you can, cannot uh, get rid of, you know, like I have the guitar at home. So, um, then in the, Eventually, we were doing a new song. Then you know, like it's part of it's part of you, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, you know, statues of fire is kind of my hobby. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to take like this, you know. Of of course, there's money involved, and there's many people like depend on us, like work for us, or there's labels, there are agencies like booking our shows and whatever. But you know, it must be fun, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was. I was in the situation with the band with Derek Green of Sepultura that we were like kind of international deal with uh, Warner in, in Germany. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, things just happened very, very fast. And then, and then we had a label and a manager and many people to talk, like uh, contracts to sign. That's, that's pretty suck. You know, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that sucks because, because music it's not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it's not, when it's not fun anymore, it's better quit because you know, like you can, you cannot do it. This, uh, this kind of touring shit and then dealing with, uh, those cocksuckers like, like for, for your entire life. Yeah. You know, yeah. The music and- must be fun and, and it must come from your heart. You know, like, I agree. Like, you know what? So, Money, money is important, of course, because uh, it's the way you pay your things. But it's not everything. Yeah, no, well said, well said. Because there's an honesty to hard music and heavy music that needs to be. Um, it needs to represent who you are. Because if you're, if you're actually, you know, I look at bands. You know, I always use Bon Jovi as like an example of like that's what that's who's yeah. made Bon Jovi made it. There's only one Bon Jovi. He's about four feet, four and a half feet tall, and he's got big hair, nice hair, and there's only one. And to become yeah. Bon Jovi, what sort of um, what sort of sacrifices did Bon Jovi make to become Bon Jovi? Yeah. And like, I'm sure he has to get up there and sing the shit out of "Living on a Prayer" like every night. I mean, yeah. and I'm sure he hates it. I gotta say, you know what I mean? Like, and and to to be able to do it on your terms means that there's more honesty in your music, which means yeah. it should resonate more with people who, who have a, a bullshit filter. You know what I mean? They can, they can sense yeah. what, what isn't true. What's, what's meant, you know, cause there was a time like in the early two thousands when people started saying, well, let's, let's be in a punk rock band. Cause that's what popular people do. That's what, that's how you're going to become popular is being in a yeah. emo pop punk band. And there were shit tons of them, and they were all over the place, but <laughs> they all went, yeah. they all went away, and a few of them stayed behind. And I still haven't, yeah. you know, I still haven't forgiven Good Charlotte for being Good Charlotte. I still haven't. I cannot, I cannot forgive them. <laughs> I constantly talk shit, talk Good Charlotte. I can't wait to have one of them on my show. I'm sorry, but yeah, the humor. So here in Brazil, we have this boom uh, with the emo and the punk rock bands too. But no, no, no. Uh, I don't 
I don't think there's any 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 band anymore. Like I said all the bands quit. Mm. It's kind of fashion, and they had made a lot of money, so the kids went to the shows. But you know, they they, they couldn't take it the pressure, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. All, it was not from the heart. I think so. That's I just been there like for oh, that's that's really cool to be in the band and punk rock band, but yeah, it didn't last. Yeah. And and in your because you've been down there your whole life and when did because there was a time that I heard like you got to go to Brazil you got to go to South America because that's where all the bands are getting reinvented you know because there was like even a time when Kiss went down there and it was like they hadn't done they don't they didn't really do much up here in a certain period of time but when they went to South America they were gods you know yeah and a band like Rush went down and they had no idea they had fans in South America and they're playing a show in front of a hundred thousand people yeah it was it does that still exist like is there like a band that you know like a Belvedere could come down there and become like mega huge superstars because it's not from your area is that is that I mean because I know that people who got music down there love music love it love it yeah uh, people like here, so the all, they, uh, the bands like this, like Kiss, like Rush, they play like really stadiums or big arenas, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like Metallica. So, so that that's it's kind of contra sense because uh, you know, we think here, so we don't have a lot, a lot of money here because if we compare our money with dollars, mm-hmm. you know, one 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 dollar costs for us like almost five reais, so it's a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the tickets uh, for those concerts concerts is very expensive. Yeah. Sometimes like a thousand reais or five hundred reais. It's a lot of money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's packed. You know, like stadiums packed. You know, like and all of them, all, all, most of the American bands uh, get, comes to Brazil and and is packed. You know, like. Can you, you explain know? it though? Can you explain why that is? Is it because of the culture is because that resonates with, you know, like to have a North American presence in South America that it's exotic and people want to be a part of it. Or do you don't think, or maybe they think they're never going to come back again. We got to, we got to represent. I don't know, but they are on the radio all the time, you know, like they get more more and more popular, you know, that that, that's easier. it's, It's really hard for independent bands like, like, Independent Brazilian bands compete with them. There's, there's no way. Mm-hmm. You know, but like bands, bands like Belvedere, they, they, they have like great following here. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, maybe I was part of it, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, we met like 2003. Then people knew it, so they started great following. They, they came, they came here like Brazil. I played bass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of my my fate, I think. So, uh, the bass player uh, broke his his leg or something like this. <laughs> so you had and to fill I, in. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah, I had to fill it in. I was the tour manager already. It was two bands on the bill. Yeah, it was uh, less than Jake and Belvedere. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was I was the tour manager anyway. So I said, okay, I will <laughs> learn your songs. That's hilarious. Then, then the 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 added job that's so yeah that, that, that was nice. A similar thing happened to me. I used to do sound for uh, SNFU, and uh, a band called Bracket were opening, and they're from the Bay Area. They're on Fat Records, and uh, 
we were on tour with Bracket and Joy Killer, and and it was a North American tour. And the drummer from Joy Killer picked up the bass player and like threw him. They were play wrestling and broke the bass player's arm. So we ended up from Cleveland. We went to like Indianapolis or something. And the band they showed up and he's got like his arm in a in a a cast. And we'd already been on tour for like two or three weeks at this point. So uh, they said, "Well," and the promoter said, "But I'm not going to pay you unless you play at least four or five songs." So I'm like, I got this. So I ended up like going into the back parking lot and learning like four bracket songs so they could get paid. And then we never saw them for like months and months later. But so I played bass and bracket, basically. That's my, uh... (laughs) but it was under, it's a necessity. It wasn't because, you know, somebody got booted out, but it was, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you know, like, um, uh, you know, the band Adolescents? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, have you, uh, Steve Soto uh, was a good friend of mine too. He's a great man. He was a great man. Yeah, he was a great man. He passed away unfortunately, but he lost his finger here in Brazil. What? <laughs> yeah. How did How did he lose his finger? You know, that just lost the whole finger, but his thumb was missing part. I, I, I was the tour manager also, so we were in a hotel in Santos. Is 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 on the beach. It's mm-hmm. very hot place, you know. Like, and um, he he phoned me. He was like sweaty, and then I said, "Hey, man, so 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 fucking hot here." I I told him, "Turn on the air conditioning," you know, like, and close the window. And said, "Oh, oh, that's true," but he didn't know how to close the window, and and the, the window fell off, and his thumb, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, mm. and he lost. Um, so I, I have to take him to the hospital, and uh, the band the band was uh, already like ready to go to the venue. Then I was with him in the hospital, and then uh, and the doctors after hours, of course, the doctor said, hey, uh, "I don't speak good English, so I have to tell your friends who have to cut his thumb off." I said, oh, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, so he must do a surgery. Wow. But I said, all right, so I'm going to tell him, you know, like, so I told him, he said, that's ah, okay. <laughs> so he cut, <laughs> he cut it off, like, a little part, so I'm now going to play the place. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, so they did a surgery, then it was kind of 11 o'clock in the, in the evening, so he said, I can do the show, and he played the show. <laughs> Wow. That was awesome. What's uh, his left hand? Yeah. Uh, then, then, uh, but it was, it was, you know, it was nice staying there, like in the hospital with him, because we were talking like for hours, and um, it, we have a lot of friends in common. Yeah. Well, I was trying to get him on the show because I play in a band that he likes, that he wanted to produce, and there was talk of us actually going down to the states to record with him. <laughs> And yeah. producing, you know, because and because uh, I we played with him for um, punk rock karaoke, which I don't know if you know okay. that it's like yeah. Darren Pfeiffer and I think Greg Hudson played in it for a while and and yeah. and then when we played it was um, the drummer who played in like Rocket from the Crypt and it was like it's like a punk rock supergroup and Steve played bass and he also we opened up for CJ Ramon which he played bass yeah, for yeah. on one tour and. Um, and just a nice sweetheart of a man. And I met him with SNFU like 20 years before. 
and we didn't really remember yeah. when and how, but I know it was like somehow where we either played with the with the, or he'd come and come and see us in a few play, and that was I think even around that same time with like Joy Killer. Yeah, what a great man! You know, he's like he's a guy to look up to when it comes to punk rock because you know, yeah, till the end, right? You know what I mean? And and he lived a happy life, and sometimes punk rock and happy they don't really they don't mix. Yeah, I know. When we were talking, he was part of uh, the first uh, Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. So now Agent Orange was one of my favorite bands ever. He was also in the first lineup of Social Distortion. And, you know, I really like Adolescence. So uh, I was sitting in there with him. And we became really good friends because he came to Brazil with CJ Ramon, like, many times. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, we always, like, trying to, to meet each other. But, but I think all the adolescent guys, it's so such nice people, man. So mm-hmm. Tony, the singer, is fantastic. Dan, so the guitar player, also plays with CJ. It's, it's fantastic, fantastic people. Yeah, yeah, and CJ is a good guy too. He, he's 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 a nice man. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I worked with him once uh, many years ago. Yeah, and uh, he told me he wor- he used to work in a supermarket. <laughs> oh, really? That's fun. I said you were fucking Ramones. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, uh, that's favorite shit. Yeah. So Ramones did other questionable things too, right? So uh, you know, <laughs> to become a Ramon, it's almost like a rite yeah. of passage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Into it, it, you know, I guess that sort of doesn't matter where you're from. That type of lifestyle, it still holds true. You know what I mean? Like. Because, yeah. you know, when you work as a professional, it's, it's interesting, you're a punk rocker your whole life, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, man, there's a time in my life I need to start contributing into society. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, and you made a child, and I made two. And uh, yeah. and I got a job, and you've made a job, you know? And and, yeah. and there's a crossing over between how music is like, you're the only thing to putting it sort of like it's not the only thing anymore it's a thing that's part of me but it's not the only thing because you could you imagine 20 year old you talking to you right now and go what the fuck are you doing what's wrong with you you know why aren't you all there making music all the time you know yeah, yeah. you ever think of that stuff i think so too you know like i think i, I think I, I i had a really good life anyway so mm-hmm. what's this the this music so my my i i turn and turn back and, and i i went far from the music and then i back to and music is pretty, pretty much everything for me now mm-hmm. yeah but yeah now I, now I give him my part of society so i have a beautiful seven years daughter that's brunette with blue eyes and I'm I'm in trouble. I think so. In a few years. <laughs> well, I have a 12 year old daughter and a 16 year old son, and uh, let me tell you, when they get over the age of 13, they're like, "Beat it, old man." You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna br- break my heart. I think so. Yeah, I know, but the, but then there's a breaking off period before, like, there's a going cold period with your teenager. And I'm in the middle of it with my son because he's 16 and he wants to drive my car. And I'm like, okay, well, you got to act like a human being because, you know, and I, we forget who we were when we were 16, right? That's why uh, we don't get along with 16 year olds is because we're not that. We don't think that way anymore, you know? Yeah. And uh, I got to let my cat out. Sorry. Can you hear my cat? 
I saw him passing by. Yeah. Like <laughs> he needs to go upstairs. You. I'm sorry. Hold on one sec. No problem. Oh my! Faço fumar aqui na cozinha, no sal. Você traz o cinzeiro e o meu cigarro. That makes for good podcast. Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, let's play a song. Let's play a song. Um, I have the whole record here. Time Stand Still okay. is a song I've seen, I've heard. Um, what's the song we should play? Well, kill the bitches one. That's no problem. Okay. Well, let's do moving forward. I think Against the Grand's one of my favorites. Me too. I, I like the recordings. I don't know how could, how those assholes in America does it. You know, like they go like to read crap studio and, and take the best song ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like, yeah. That was sort of West. Be that was the West Beach Recorders days, where anything that came out of West Beach Recorders was was gold you know and to go to west beach recorders which i never did 
to actually record. I had one record I recorded got mixed there. And um, it was, you know what I mean? Just, I wasn't even in the same country, but it was like, oh, it was an honor to have, you know what I mean? Like a guy from Mix, a record I recorded at West Beach. You know, so many great records were done there, you know? Almost every Bad Religion pre-Recipe for Hate was done there, I'm pretty sure. And um, the first Sublime, 40 Ounce the Freedom was recorded there, man. That's a fucking great record. Yeah. Great record. Yeah, the, the, the recording is always good, you know, like, you get to, like, Descendants or, you know, I'm thinking what, what they do, like, I don't know, man, so fantastic. It yeah. So- sounds really, you know, organic. Yeah. You know, the, the drum sound, the, the guitars, and, and uh, where they put the voice on the record, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys, where did, where did you record this this record? Uh, it's here in Sao Paulo. Yeah. Uh, uh, we work with the, with the same guys. Like, this is uh, the third record, right? So mm-hmm. the, the other two, we did that. That They have, like, a metal bands called Carzus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been uh, recording bands, like, for more than 20 years. So we really trust them. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, really like, I really like how they do with my vocals. Yeah. Yeah, and the drums sound it, it, fantastic too. Drums and guitars and everything sounds really—it's present. It's there, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I try to be more organic as possible, you know, because you know nowadays you add plugins on the drums, you know, like you know, but but the guitars not. The guitars is uh, Marshall cabinet. Mm-hmm. I use like Dave Mustaine. Uh, yep. That's cab Marshall cabinet and then Plexi Marshall Plexi. Yeah, and you you know you can't uh, you can't beat that. There was a times when people started like getting into dual rectifier Mesa boogies and things like that, and you go on tour with it, and you're like, you know what? It's really hard to make that sound warm. You know, I I, I have a JCM eight hundred from nineteen eighty three um, upstairs actually, and um, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's a fifty watt, but there is nothing nothing like that that sound. Yeah, I have it too. You know, at studio I have like uh, that one is twenty two ten. Mm-hmm. 100 watts jcm at 100 and i have the 50 watts too from 82 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. very nice you know i i don't know which one's the best one but the, both are great great amps yeah my 50 watt um fell out like fell off the top of my cabinet 20 years ago 15 years ago i can't remember how long ago and i had to get it retubed so i got it retubed and while i got it retubed i got this they called it the slash mod. You ever heard of this thing where they put the circuit in it that gives it more um, low end and more um, like sort of gnarly distortion, like better distortion. So you don't need to okay. crank the shit out of it to make it sound full. So you can run it at a lower volume and, and actually get more, you know, gain out of it. And uh, it's, yeah, my amp is, is I love my amp and I, I couldn't, I've tried like, well, you know, maybe try an AC 30 or something, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah for, forget about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, my, my amp is Marshall. Mm-hmm. I have also Mesa. I have one that I have the dual rectifier, but I cannot control that shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. you put bass too much into the middles too much. You can, you know, it's, it's like a beast. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild beast. You know, you have no control, and when you want to less distortion, it's too less with them. I don't like it. Yeah, 
In the early 2000s, I worked with Sum 41 as their tour manager, and they got a Mesa Boogie um, um, endorsement. And uh, we came in from the States with eight dual rectifiers in cardboard boxes, like brand new, never been... And like yeah. brand new, blatantly brand new. And if you come into Canada, you have to pay tax on whatever you bring in. Even if you bring in a carton of smokes or if you bring in a bottle of booze, you can get duty free. But if you bring more than uh, what the quote is, you have to pay tax. And I had probably $15,000 worth of guitar heads in the back of a van with windows uh, in it, right? And I'm like, well, yeah. we're going to, if we're going to, anything to declare? Nope. And they, okay. <laughs> we drove through. And it was like, oh my God. I can't believe we got away with that, you know? And it was like such a nonchalant. This is pre 9-11, by the way, because the life changed a lot. I couldn't do that. I think only two years went by and I would never have been able to do that. They would have pulled me over and have, had something stuck up my butt before I could say, hey, wait. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I took a flight to like one month after the 9-11. So it was pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. And the airport, a lot of police and the world was chaotic. Yeah, yeah. We flew home from our honeymoon the night before. So we we almost... No, wait, our flight was delayed, and we got on this other flight. Otherwise, we'd have to wait the next day, which is when all the planes went into buildings. And I think we'd still be in Las Vegas right now. I think <laughs> I think we'd have yeah. to move down there because they people were down there like stuck forever for like in the states trying to get back to Canada. Yeah, that's a that's a horrible fiasco, you know. And hopefully it never happens again. But you know, in the you know, would you ever want to go to America based on what's happening now and with with our the orange faced monster that li- that lives in the White House? That's well, pretty tough. We have a fascist president too. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the name of guy is Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. He's big fan of Trump. Oh. And uh, he's a fascist and homophobic, and uh, it's, it's, it's the worst kind of person uh, I think I ever seen in my entire life. He got uh, uh, to understand how bad it is. You got Donald Trump and make worse like one billion times. Really? Yes. You know, like it's it's such such disgusting and then and I don't know. I haven't I have not so many words to describe this mm-hmm. because I, 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 as a Brazilian I feel shame of it. You know, like how how the population here votes to the such a monster. Yeah, you know, but is he Putin bad? Because Putin's pretty bad. Because Putin execute what? Putin executes people if they speak against him. Like he's killed ha- like all these reporters and like blatantly murdered people in the streets. Like, is he that bad? Is he like? No, it's not. We still live in a democracy. You know, yeah. it's not like like <laughs> this. But yeah, but we have a song, uh, a song on this record. Uh, the song's called Marielle. That's the next song that got queued up here. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty fast song. That, that describe. Uh, I don't know if you heard in the news, but Marielle was a, a politician here. It was a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was black, and she was gay, and uh, she was uh, she was fighting for the human rights here. So, uh, and she she used to live in Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro is very complicated because. There's the favelas part of the Rio, mm-hmm. 
then, then of course you have Copacabana, Ipanema Beach, and Corcovado, and Sugarloaf. It's very nice, very beautiful. So it, you have like like people with a lot of money there and, and people with nothing. So mm -hmm. and so the people who live in the favela has nothing. She wasn't one of the defender of the human rights, you know, like. And she was not only there for the favela people. She used to work for the police too, you know, like because it's pretty tough, tough job here for being police guy in Rio de Janeiro, whatever. And uh, Familia Bolsonaro, uh, is, is, uh, the family of the president, is very connected with the mob on, on that on that state. You know, when I say mob, uh, I would say they're involved with drug dealers, involved with with the uh, with gun dealers. You know, like. That the the pretty pretty low 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 profile people you know like mm -hmm. and she was killed uh, in the middle of the in the middle of the of the road they shot her car like like two cars was kind of south and and shot her and she's dead mm -hmm. and and you know it was like a Brazilian commotion of the words and then I think in pretty much in the whole world because you know like in Europe for example. Um, I'm answered uh, a lot of interviews about it, mm -hmm. and Mar Marielle was killed, you know, and, and so it went to justice, and uh, they arrested two guys, but you know, no one has more information about it, and then you know, and our president give a shit, you know, like mm -hmm. give, give totally shit about it, and uh, and I don't know if you know about the, our country history, but. Uh, from 64 to 86, we had a military government here. Mm -hmm. When they cut all the rights and the democracy was done and uh, they shut down the Congress and then it, many people was, uh, many people were arrested and killed, you know, like, and many, many families was, was kind of broken and people had to live in another country because it was too dangerous to live here. Right. And, uh, and it was in the whole Latin America, the old countries like Argentina, Chile, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And our president is kind of saying like the '64 like dictatorship never happened. <laughs> it, you know, like he, uh, and the other day was 30, 30 years without the, the regime that was celebrating. Uh, he said he said it the other day in the in the, on TV. Because it was it was good times because we could kill people without asking any shit, and it, you know it's kind of crazy. It's, it's you know it's really really one billion times worse than Donald Trump. Yeah, and our economy now is broken down, dollars raising up. So I don't know. It's it's kind of messy now. But does that that I mean as it goes, that type of thing has a way of just course correcting itself after a while i mean it gets really really bad but if does it eventually like history dictates that okay when it gets to this point um because we know how evil people can get by just looking back in history to see how evil yeah. people can get and we know that there's a breaking point you know and the fact that I don't hear about things about people, you know, maybe, I'm not as socially conscious as a lot of people are. So maybe me not, is a bad example of not hearing about things like this. But I think our media doesn't cover things like that because there's no real, there's no, for, for Canadian media, there's no real reason to. 
to, you know what I mean? It's so far away, right? If you think yeah. logistically speaking. But we're in a better age now where people can go and learn for themselves on non-biased um, media centers to go get the truth, you know, and, 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 and hear what's actually happening and trying to filter through what we have two different agendas up, up in this, in, in North America. Like we have the left and the right and, you know, the right yeah. super, the far right and the far left. I don't know which one is the worst right now, you know, because the far right are doing crazy things and the far left are doing crazy things. And, uh, you know, I would consider myself a centralist where I, I think that there's logic behind how people should conduct their lives. But in America, it's even worse because there's only two parties. There's only two electoral parties. There's the Democrats yeah, and the Republicans. In, the, in Canada, we at least we have three. You know, we have New Democrats, we have the Conservatives, and we have, you know, the Liberals, you know. So having that, having that sort of that... Um, three parties and in holland there's like nine or something you know what i mean so there's you yeah. know that's how the votes become but in america it's so crazy because it's so polarized when people say oh you know that democrat they all screwed us over obama screwed everybody over he started wars that nobody knew about and now screw democrats and then you know it's going to happen when donald does his second term because pretty sure he's going to get back in he has to finish what he started <laughs> which is being being kind of evil to be yeah. able to to be able to serve people are just going to go, you know what screw Donald Trump screw him I never liked him in The Apprentice either you know but uh, yeah you know you know one, one uh, really funny thing here just happened our, our president went to U.S. and he promises uh, to the American people so if you want to visit Brazil you don't need visas anymore <laughs> you know what. So, so the American guy can come here, maybe a murderer or something. He can come to Brazil, and he doesn't need a visa. But for us to go to America, we need all, all the, the visas. papers. All the visas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the visas, yeah. And, and Donald Trump, you know, like with this wall thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Between, like, Americans and Mexican people. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's money, law, money, washing money. So I, I don't know how people can agree with this. You know, <laughs> Be, being Brazilian is also offended me pretty much. You know, mm -hmm. because you know what? So, so being Brazilian, that means you're not welcome anywhere. Yeah. You know what? Because you know, most part of people think, oh, those poor people come here. You know, like I don't know, like. Throw garbage in the streets, or they're gonna, they're gonna get our jobs. You know, like yeah, it's it's you know, it's very racist. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing about the wall is that um, the Mexican drug cartels have been digging tunnels that are miles long. That there's no wall, yeah. there's no wall that's gonna ever fix this tunnel that they've built. That basically goes for twenty miles under the ground, <laughs> and uh, you can fit a semi truck full of cocaine all day long through this thing. No wall is gonna fix that, and it's a symbolism. It's like, well, he needs to prove something. Like I, you know, I've, you know, and he promised people this this goddamn wall. That for us, it's like it's ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous to think that there's farms that are broken up with this wall and they actually have part of the wall and then you have like this break because they have to get their farm machinery into basically into the other side. So, yeah. so it's like, that's not going to work for you. You know what I mean? Like, and there's parts of the desert that if you tried to leave 
wherever civilization is on the Mexican side and tried to get into America, you'll die before before you get to any other type of living creature. There's no you can't carry yeah. enough water to get across this, you know, this vast terrain. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. And for us as Canadians, we have an agreement with these people down there too. I mean, we have what's a free trade agreement, but I have to get all the visas too to go into America and work. And it stopped a lot of yeah. culture from crossing over from Canada to America because it's just not worth it. Like I work for a band, we're gonna they're doing two shows. I'm their tour manager and they're doing two shows in the States. It's not worth it to pay for my visa for two shows. So I can't yeah, do I know. Can't do them. Yeah, when I was in Canada uh, years ago, we just had like uh, work visas, yeah. you know, for just for Canada. And it was, since we were like with Belvedere, I went to the Niagara Falls. Yeah. And um, the, they went across the border. They couldn't get there, you know, because they must they had the visas and everything. So yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But when you go to Europe, you can take your guitar and go through customs in Germany. What are you doing? Playing shows. Awesome. Have fun. You know, enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah you know. it is. That's yeah, yeah it's exactly like this. Yeah. What you doing here? Like vacation. Yeah, that's guitar. I'm going to play some shows. Oh, awesome. Where? So over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what yeah. kind of music? Punk rock. I love punk rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, this is pretty easy. Yeah, because they understand that you're going to spend more than you're going to make here. You know, if you yeah. came in on economy from Canada or from, from Brazil, chances are you're not going to be taking all the money home with you. You know, yeah. chances you are. Know, you it's pretty funny. I have the American visa. Yeah, I have. You know, many many friends of, of mine, which more money than me or with steady job and everything, mm -hmm. didn't get. I got it. You mm -hmm. know why? Mm -hmm. I I went to the embassy with my wife and and, and my daughter. So what you gonna do in America? I go to the Disneyland. All right. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, so I have my bank accounts improvements here, like all the numbers. Ah, you don't need it. <laughs> yes. And Disneyland is great. I took my daughter there last year. A year today, yeah. actually, we were just flying home from Disneyland. And uh, Actually, actually the, the, uh, my, my daughter and my wife went there. I, I, I couldn't. Really? That's probably... Yeah, I had to work that time. Okay. And so think like I was touring with the band or whatever. So the happiest place on I, earth. It is the happiest place on earth. A uh, friend, of, friend of mine was there and, and met James Hatfield. Oh, cool. And <laughs> <laughs> the line of, in a, of the coaster or something. That's like amazing. It. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's funny who you run into because I was down there and it was May and it was supposed to be like, if to Californians, it was freezing because it was like um, 60... Seven Fahrenheit, which is I think twenty four Celsius, not not yeah. that cold. And people were like in full snow, like they put their babies in snowsuits, like they're gonna throw them in a snowbank. And I'm yeah. there with my daughter, and we got shorts and shirts. And um, yeah. you know, and it's funny you're going, you're in the line, and you look across, and there's a guy like totally like punk rocker guy, and you know, he's kind of there because he wants to be there with his daughter, but he's kind of there under sufferance, you know, like. You know, and so I look at him and he's buying a churro and they look at each other and I got like a descendant shirt on. He's like, 
cool. Uh, I'm like, uh, cool. Uh, cool. How you doing? Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a dad. Done, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm a dad. Yeah. I'm a dad too. No, but I took my daughter there because um, my ploy is, and I, I, I actually recommend this to all fathers of daughters before yeah. they can hate your guts, take them somewhere awesome. Because when they start hating your guts, you can turn to them and go, remember that time when we did that awesome thing? Because, you know, it was yeah. just me and you. Okay, well, remember that. when you Now you hate me, but you remember, because I bring it up almost daily with my daughter. And it works. It works. It's great. Yeah. Let's hear another song. Let's hear another song. Let's hear this one. That's a great song, yeah. man. Great song. Uh, thank you. That this is Marielle's song. It's, it's dedicated to her, and mm -hmm. and it was pretty. Uh, and, uh, and it was really nice when we released the song. We just did the uh, lyric video with the lyrics, yeah, and with the translation below, yeah. Uh, you can find it easily on YouTube, and then and uh, if you see the, uh, the the commentaries, you know, it actually, it's more in Portuguese than in English. But mm -hmm. there's many people like against us 
mm-hmm. and many people for for us because here like you know we have like extreme right and the extreme left yeah. and people say that we are extreme left but we're nothing like uh, we kind of just punk rock and punk rock is about like to say you know what's wrong you know yeah with society you know it's just being the protest and tell people what's right what's wrong and this uh this murder thing was kind of it's not about being like in a polit- politi- politic political uh, situation like right or, or, or left no it's, it's just it's, about, it's wrong <laughs> it's, it's me about you don't you don't go around like killing people yeah. just because uh, they think different than it, than you you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's why song and the song is, is about our our situation too because here well we don't have like uh, the schools here is it's not that good mm-hmm. you know if you want to like better education you go, you must go to the private school public schools very weak education and and, and, and you know and the most part of people start to work like really early like with 10 years old or 12 really you know yeah that's young. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine oh, oh, those people? They are not interested uh, in education or learn things or, or you know, go to the college or, or something like this. Mm-hmm. So they just go to work, and then afterwards they probably go to the school because they work the whole day and go to the school at night. You know, mm-hmm. like two eleven o'clock at night. Then they have like to take a bus to the to his place that takes like two hours. And next day he's he gonna wake up at five o'clock in the morning. This, you know, like that's the most part of uh, Brazilian population does. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're not well educated. So, and here you have like media control. There's only one that controls everything. It's called Global. You know, mm-hmm. that's pretty, pretty much everywhere. They have like newspaper. They have like TV stations. Have for the whole country. And of course, there's a lot of politicians involved on this one because if you control information, you control most part of, of everything, you know. And the lyrics, I said, you know, in the land of black Nazis, you know, like, mm-hmm. we have it. Can it be like a black guy is like being like in a white power movement? <laughs> we have it. Yeah. It's like a Nazi Jew or so stuff like this. This is so out of blue. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, but we have it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then we have like brainless voters because, you know, like people that uh, people uh, don't get like the right information. Don't look for it. They mm-hmm. get like the most, most part of the information on the WhatsApp, on the Facebook. And, and most part of this is like fake news, you know? Yeah. Bots and people in fit. Yeah. People. Yeah. I've, I heard a whole thing about that and how, the people who are completely right wing will go to the left and just completely just prod and poke and say the most outrageous things just to get a rise and just to create um, anger to have people then have to fight back. And then you have the real people fighting with fake people. And yeah. And it's like someone said, uh, isn't it strange that we have to go to Russian television to get like real news now, like to go to RT to actually get unbiased you know, even I even I don't even know. Maybe the BBC is still unbiased, but to get news, you know, when we have well, I mean, America's even worse. But Canadian, ha- we we don't really have like the Fox and the CNN news where it's two polarized different agendas. Um, yeah. We don't really have that. Well, maybe we do in a way, but 
you know, we get news from other sources, but I can see how incredibly hard it is if you're kind of low income and you have to read the newspaper and you're reading what's complete, just fake garbage. And that's what, that's what the truth is, you know, and that's how you control a population. And, you know, do you ever feel fear though, for actually saying things that might go against what people with jackboots and can come crashing through your door? Do you ever, do you ever have a fear? No, I'm not. Yeah. You know, life is like I say in the lyrics, so you can raise your flag against it, but you won't change my mind, you know, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna shut down my mouth and just say what I think, you know. Yeah. Never. Because you know, I'm I'm for uh, about freedom freedom speech and freedom uh, thinking and so it's uh, they're never going to do this with me. Yeah. You know, never. Well, you're a brave man. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're still in a democracy here. I don't know. I, I, I don't think this president is going to stay longer. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Because, you know, the, our ex-president, uh, his name is Lula. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard about his name. Mm-hmm. It was the best one here. You know, like, he, he was improving the country. The, co- the economy was good. You know, like, they found oil. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we have the one of the biggest uh, oil reserves in the entire ro- world. And I think Ven- Venezuela is more. That's why Trump wants to war with them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but we also have a lot. And not, you know, one of what's discovery of this Lula president, and uh, and and then our president Bolsonaro just sold like biggest part of it to Chevron. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. In, in you know, in resuming, you know, the uh, American uh, policy still controls the South America. You know, like yeah, it's kind of been like that way for the age of time. Really, is you know, where you people look to the Americans for guidance, and you know, and and to say how how would you do it, America? Because you know, but that's used to be a voice of reason, like you know, but seventy or eighty years ago, you know, in my opinion, that's the only true time when America actually was like revolutionizing industry and, you know, although yeah. they're fucking up the environment while they're doing it, but at least they were sort of f- the forefront of what technology and what was happening. And, and, you know, now it seems like America is in this constant state of fear of like, what's happening? How can we control it? How can we put sanctions on things to make more money out of it before we completely drain it dry? And that is, yeah. that is a frightening proposition because they are a superpower, you know what I mean? And they can kind of do whatever they yeah. want, you know? And even as Canadians, we have a tenth of the population than American does. And whatever America chooses to do, there's going to be some shill. In, except we have, a good, we have a good prime minister right now. We have Trudeau. But uh, there will be one shill that will go, yep, no problem. Let's do that. Let's go invade this country. Let's go do that, you know? And then that's the frightening part because as a person that was like, I don't think war is a really solution to anything. I think, I think, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, yeah, you know, the only real war was to get, you know, Hitler out of power. That to me is like, okay, that's a real, that's a war that I can sort of hang my hat on. That said, okay, yeah, that's, it's going to fight evil. But America made a shit ton of cash in World War II before they went into, you know, before D-Day, right? Like a lot yeah. of money, you know, a lot of money. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you? Yeah. So, are you are you making any plans to come to Canada, or are you going to stay down there? Like, what's your what's your plan plans? 
Well, we have a European tour coming up. So uh, we're going to travel next Wednesday to Europe. Mm-hmm. We have like three, three weeks on tour mm-hmm. for whole Germany and, and Holland. Uh, because, uh, you know, the record just was, uh, was released there mm-hmm. for the label from Hamburg. And now we have uh, our first time in America. So this America label is going to put it out our record too. The, the label is called Snapped yep. Record. And uh, it also is going to be out on vinyl. You know, but both countries is, is going to be released on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and of course, like all the digital platforms like you know, Spotify, Deezer, and yeah. iTunes. Or, and, uh, you know, this is really, we, we want to go and we want to go everywhere, you know, like, but Europe is kind of easier for us, so yeah. we don't need the visas. And um, now we're going to try to do US, you know. I don't know if this year we're going to get it there or next year, but Canada also in our plans. Yeah, good. Yeah, we, we, we must have like work visas to go with the with all the guitars and everything. Oh, it costs a ton of money too. And there's certain regulations, like you need a certain amount of shows booked and you can't get visas unless you have whatever, eight or, and I can't, I can't remember what the cutoff of show numbers is, but I think it's like eight shows. If you don't have eight shows booked, then you can't get a work visa to go play, you know. And it costs thousands of dollars. Like it's literally, you're not going to, It's it's funny because it is, there is such a crazy backwards engineering part of like bringing culture from another country that has words to say and, you know, and points to make. They're going to get charged four grand first yeah. just before you can play your first note, you know. Yeah, we also can go with the uh, tourist visas. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, not, it's Scary. not correct. No, it isn't. Yeah. And and also we uh, we cannot bring our guitars and uh, pedals and whatever. Yeah, uh, that that's pretty suck. You know, it's, it's better to do the the right way. You know, but we we must have like a agency doing or a band booking us. But we must have to find a lawyer to do all the papers mm-hmm. and go to the embassy, pay the taxes, and also the first time. You know, like no one knows us you know mm-hmm. we, we we must have to pay our own flight tickets which which is no problem at mm-hmm. all because back back here have shows to cover all, all yeah this, all the expenses and but you know it's it's hard but it's, it's in our plans for sure mm-hmm. we want to go you know and also i have a lot of american americans and canadian friends yeah. you know I, I want I want to visit them for you know at least once. <laughs> yeah, I I have a really good friend. Uh, in, he lives in Nashville, and uh, I promised him to visit him like so many fucking times. Yeah, yeah. It never happened. He works uh, with a he is a light engineer. He he used to work with the bands called Leonard Skinner. Oh yeah, Leonard Skinner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now I think he will he will Doobie Brothers. Oh, so he's kind of like that seventies rock lighting yeah. guy. It's does, awesome. Does he have a it's ponytail? Awesome. Does he have a ponytail? Play, tell me he has a ponytail. No, he's kind of bold now. Oh, does he have? 
I met him when uh, many years ago in 2008. It was the first time we met. I was uh, I was a backline guy for the cult. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know the, the British band, the cult. Yeah, yeah. My band uh, was on the la- same label as them in Japan for a little while, called Imperial oh, yeah. Records. Yeah, with the cult and Bauhaus too. <laughs> it's a weird label. Bauhaus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you're doing backline for the cult. So you met him that way. Yeah, I met them. I did the most uh, ugly people I ever met. Oh, the cult. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't want to meet them once again. You know, showed up a job one the day years ago, like to tour with them again. I said, no, sorry, I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, they just weren't good people. No, they, they, they pretty suck. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the, the crew... You know, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used, fantastic. I used to do a lot of like local crew calls uh, at our sort of amphitheater place in this, you know, the, the 5,000, 10,000 seat venue. And um, Robert Smith from The Cure came and did a show. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a bunch of crybaby British, like sappy, sad techs. But they were the happiest yeah. dudes on earth. They were like, hey, how's it going? You know what I mean? Everybody was, everybody was like really positive. And it was funny because I said, you know, but I heard later on that Robert Smith is like one of the greatest bosses ever when it comes to um, running a band and running a business. And, you know, he's one of the nicest yeah. people on earth. And uh, so, I, yeah, it's funny how when you meet the crew and you're like, oh, you're cool. And then the band are just a bunch of assholes. I've been, yeah. yeah. I, I got really sad because... Uh, the guitar player, uh, the new guitar player of Bad Religion was the same, the cult guitarist. Oh, really? At that tour, yeah. yeah. His name is Mike or something like this. Is he the guy that replaced Hudson? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. It, uh, the, uh, yeah, it was the same. one. It was such an asshole back then. And uh, I know the Bad Religion because I worked with them like for a tour, and uh, they're such nice people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wrote them. Uh, I don't. I don't think which one I wrote. I think was. Uh, I I don't remember which one I wrote. I think it was the Brian. Mm-hmm. He post. He posted on Instagram a photo uh, of the new guitar player. Then I comment something like, "Oh, this guy's fucking asshole." Or something <laughs> like this. I can't believe it. Yeah. And he was. He was erased. Oh no, that's not. Yeah. He he uh, he censored you. <laughs> that's not punk rock. <laughs> no, that's not. That'd be funny though if he was actually the nicest guy on earth, and you were like, "Fuck that guy." <laughs> it's like, what? No, he's actually really nice. Um, yeah, I have a history with Bad Religion too. From like, uh, actually, from Against the Grain, the, one of the band's first bands I played in opened up for Bad Religion and Helmet uh, in Toronto. And um, I met Jay Bentley for the first time, and I said, hey, how are you? You're nice to meet. Nicest guy. Nicest guy you'll ever meet. And awesome uh, awesome guy. And then two years later, I got a job working as the sound guy for SNFU. And I'm in Los Angeles, and Jay's there, and I go, hey, man, you probably don't remember me. He goes, yeah, yeah, you're Simon from Toronto. I'm like, that guy has a memory. And then cut to five years later, um, I'm in Toronto at a guitar store, and um, that was on the tour that Dave Reese from SNFU was the drum tech for Bad Religion. So I knew I was coming to the show, but Jay walks in 
And he goes, hey, Simon, how you doing? I was like, what the f- What's going on here? Like, does he just do this with- I think he must have a just amazing memory. I don't think I made yeah. that much of an impression on him, but he just had this crazy memory about him. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Great band, too. I was sad to see yeah. Brooks leave, because I was just getting used to Brooks playing drums for Bad Religion. Yeah, he's also also a really nice guy, too. Yeah. You know, it's pretty funny, because uh, the show in Sao Paulo was my job, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, because uh, the agency I used to work for and was the one who hired bad religion in Brazil, and uh, and then one day my boss phoned me up and then and, and said, "Hey, do you want to play in bad religion?" They <laughs> say, "What? Yeah, that's true. You want to play in a bad religion?" I said, uh, "Why? Why is it, Why you ask me that? You know, like I said, you know, because I just got 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 a Kathleen. I think it was a tour manager mm. on the phone. She said uh, one of those guys lost the passport. I said again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then and said yes, of course, I, w- I want to play in bad religion. Why not? Yeah, as I told them, you play in Dambala and Belvedere and other bands." So if you want to try, so I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you her number. So you phone her, and uh, you you make make the appointments and whatever. And all right. <laughs> so I phoned them. I phoned her and said, "Hey, my name is Andre, and uh, my boss just told me that someone lost passport. You need someone to play guitar." And then and she said, "Yes, it's true." I said, "Come on, mm-hmm. it's true." No, she said, "Yeah, yes, yeah, true." I said, oh, all right. So, but uh, I must need to know who lost the passport because Hatson does, d- doesn't do the solos and yeah. um, Brian does. And she says, oh, no, 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 it's no problem. I'm going to let you know. So I have your email. I'm going to send you a message in, in, in a few hours. And then I said, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm waiting. I need satellites. Then hours passed, and then nothing is going on. And there's no phone ringing and no email. And I said, what the fuck? So I went to the YouTube, so I started to learn the songs, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, all right, so I learned a couple of songs. Then I said, I have to phone her again. So this is not possible. Mm-hmm. Then I phoned her, hey, what's up, man? I need the satellite. So I said, hey, no, I'm sorry. It was not our guitarist uh, that lost the passport. Was our guitar tech? Oh shit! I said it's no problem. I'm also guitar tech. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want to you want to work with us? I said yes, of course I want. All right, so give me your passport. So I see you in Peru. I said, <laughs> right. Then I got the job. That's amazing. That is yeah, cool. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. But did you, did you yeah. have to do uh, guitar tech for the for uh, the new guy? Or is that before that? Was that no, before? no, no. Was it still Hudson? It's still Hudson, uh, yeah. Hudson, Hudson is also an amazing guy. So, so such nice. Yeah, he's quiet. You know, I liked when he's done with the conversation with you. He goes, "I'm gonna go make some friends." That's what he said all the time, and he's been saying that for thirty something years. Um, he actually, I did when Circle Jerks got back together for one tour in two thousand and three. I ended up being their sound guy. And um, they had the drummer. I forgot his. I think his name was. No, his name wasn't Greg. Maybe it was, but he was from Alaska. Their drummer was from Alaska, 
and uh, and then the, it had the original bass player and it had uh you know keith morse of course and hetson and hetson never touched anything guitar like he would like he would show up with his guitar but he would never even take it out of the case so as a sound guy and sort of a fan of hetson i would be the guy setting up greg hetson's guitar amp every day as well as you know helping with the sound check because he would hardly you know whatever be there so anyways our last show's in montreal and um I uh, I'm setting up and the the drummer who was the tour manager came up and he gives me a hundred bucks and he goes hey man that's for doing Hetson's no no first of all Hetson came up and gives me a tip and it's a hundred yeah. bucks and I'm like hey man cool thanks he goes great and then the 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 tech the the sorry the uh, the drummer the tour manager drummer came up and said here's a tip thanks I go you know what I got to be fair but Hetson gave me a tip already he goes Hetson's got enough money. <laughs> So they double tipped, double tipped me, and then I took the money to the casino in Montreal and I doubled it. So I'm like, there was like good karma on my side for that day. So I, awesome. I, I was expecting nothing, and I got 200, which I turned into 400, and I was the happiest. And I walked out with two buckets full of like, because he used real money at the casino yeah. at the time. I had like two big buckets of of dollar coins, but yeah, no, that was um, yeah. Circle tricks were great, but they didn't write. They, it's funny how like Hudson always sort of was like the outside man, and I think even with Bad yeah. Religion, he was the outside man, and uh, he had a he was a tricky dude. You know what I mean? He was a tough guy to you know. He played a solo on a, on, a, on my band's uh, a new record we're putting out, so uh, we got him. Yeah. We had to. We basically had to get Darren Pfeiffer to take him into the studio to say, "Okay, let's do this." So that's how. Uh, we ended up getting him to do it because he agreed to it, and then d- months went by and he never did anything. But yeah, I really, I really like the uh, his guitars. You know, like he has like two SGs, really old ones. Yeah, yeah, sixty-seven like or something like that. With this. the arch top kind of fin- like the arch top style. Yeah, 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 and it was perfect. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I used to replace the strings and tune. And it was perfect. Like yeah, uh, and Brian. And Brian has like two last poles. Mm-hmm. I was kind of mess, you know. Like <laughs> I saw Brian I, Baker play with REM on one tour. Remember when he? Yeah, yeah he was their guitar player for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's funny because I, I mean, when I first met like uh, Graffin, I was like, "What is wrong with this guy? Why is he? Why is he so mean?" But he's softened in his old age. Like he's 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 become more human. Yeah, he was kind of mean in the early '90s. Yeah, I was in tour with then, but uh, I hardly met him. Yeah, yeah, because he 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 didn't show up. You know, the whole band didn't show up for sound check at all. So just sometimes, and then uh, and graphing just the showtime, and the other day in, in the airport. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, all. Yeah. And it was kind of with the, that uh, clever jokes, and no one, no one could. No understand. one laughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> was Randy was doing just, sound? Randy was their sound guy on that. Randy. Oh, Ron. That was Ron. Ron. Ron Kimbo. Uh, Ron. Yeah. Sorry, I said Randy. I meant Ron. Sorry. Yeah. He's been their guy yeah. forever. Yeah. Yeah, this funniest guy ever. Yeah, he's amazing too, and a good sound guy too. Like one, oh, of, one of the greats. Yeah. And it was really nice because we could do, do the sound check in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. him, yeah, at a few festivals where it's like dialed in. And you're listening to it, go, wow, it just sounds too good. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's a star. Well, hey, man. Um, 
Should I play one more song? Let's play one more song and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. How about that? Let's do Living in Darkness.
Oh, shit. Song's over. Um, hey, man. I really appreciate you doing the show. Uh, it was nice to meet you. And uh, I mean, we're. it's funny how we kind of did this. We do the same thing, but on different continents. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Whenever you come to Canada, let me know. Uh, would love to have you guys, you know, live you know, on the show or do something, you know, in person. Um, I respect what you guys do because, you know, as we get older, we we start you know realizing what important stuff is and when music is part of that that's that's a really really cool yeah. gift yeah yeah i was i was i was i was very excited to do this interview because you know months ago i uh, i listened to the day smile i uh, you know interviewed and sam whelan's interview and then it said oh this blog this podcast is such cool you know mm-hmm. then i listened to another ones and then it's then uh, the the label guy told me about it, so I said, "Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, thank you. Anytime, too. Like whenever you want to promote something or come on and just talk, that's uh, it's totally recommended. Thank you. I will, uh, add me on Facebook later on. So I'm gonna send you pictures of my amps later. Oh, cool, awesome. Thanks again, man. Uh, thank you, Simon. Have a nice night, man. And. I have to come back work now. Oh, I have to watch a movie with my family. <laughs> uh, I, I go back to the studio, so I have like a lot of bands there now and cool. people in the pub. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Gonna drink beer. You're yeah. going to drink beer? Yeah, I should have one beer too. Uh, yeah, and thanks again. I appreciate it. And that was Mr. Andre Alves from the band Statues on Fire. Go check out their new album, which is called Living in Darkness. It is uh, it's a banger. It's a good one. Really good band. Um, today is the last day, or actually this is the last week where you can help pledge to my Ride to Conquer Cancer. Uh, the description will be... The link to get there will be in the description. So whoever helped me out with that, I really appreciate it. I have 200 kilometers to ride. I had a $2,500 quota to make. And doesn't matter where you're from, cancer affects everybody. And if they can cure cancer with the bike ride, then uh, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so next week I have a guest. I'm going to tell you who it is because I don't need to. So have a great week, and we will see you again on the Abelard Package.